Let's get into a comfortable position. You may lay down or sit up, whatever feels the most comfortable for you. If you're in a place where you can safely close your eyes, do so now. We are gonna start by calling in a white light twinkling all around us. This light is an energetic boundary protecting us. Only the most pure and aligned love energy is allowed in this space. Let's slip into stillness by taking four deep breaths with four second inhales, hold, and four second exhales. While doing this, really feel into the way the breath sweeps in and out of your body. The person you are right now is exactly who you needed when you were younger. You are and always have been a well of love. Now though, you are a well of loving awareness. The wisdom you carry is a gift of the life you've lived, a gift you get to share with your younger selves. Let's create a home for ourselves within our mind's eye. If we could have any home anywhere in the world, where would we go? What does the exterior of the home look like? Is it a cottage in the woods or a bungalow on the beach? This is your world. Create a home that feels so good to you and so safe. Now, Imagine sitting in your garden by a tree. You're staring at the exterior of your home, staring at either the ocean or the mountains. You can feel the earth beneath you, supporting you. There is a gentle cold breeze blowing and the sun is peeking through the tree, shining onto your cheeks. In front of you, there is a healthy fire, glowing and blazing. The warmth dances around you like a safe blanket. As you stare into the flames, your name appears. You keep watching. Without warning, your life dances across the flames playing like a movie in the flames. Every joyful moment, every heartbreak, 
every loss, every love. You see your birth, you see your becoming, you see middle school and high school and yesterday. Suddenly, the wind strengthens and blows out the fire. There's smoke and ash. And as the smoke and ash disappears, a younger version of you is sitting cross-legged where the fire was, looking at you. This version could be three or 13. This version could be you from two years ago. Whatever age you see is the age of a version of you that is seeking your attention. This younger version stands up and runs into your arms. And as you hug, Notice what you feel and where it comes up in your body. Do you feel the warmth of their skin? Does your heart get heavy? Do you feel activated in your physical body? Take a few breaths to really feel into this embrace. While hugging them, tell them how much you love them. Reassure this version of you that everything is okay. When you let go of this big healing hug, they sit in front of you. Look at their eyes, hair, and the expression on their face. Look at what they are wearing. Is this version of you making any sounds? Do you smell anything? Really observe and take in all that you see. Take a deep breath in and out. Staring into the eyes of this version of you, ask, what are you feeling? Do they respond with words? Do images flash? What comes up? What does this version of you need? How can you fully show up and give yourself the love you needed during this time of your life? Tell them. I love you. I will never abandon you. You are safe. You are loved. We cannot control others. We can only control how we respond to the impact others have on us. No matter what someone else does or says to us, you're okay because I'm here. Unconditionally. Always.
Sit in this moment with this version of you. Take a few deep inhales and slow and steady exhales. As you prepare to leave this meditation, the inner child version of you grabs your cheeks and says, I cannot wait to grow up and become you. I am proud of you. This version does not care how much money you have or what your life looks like. They are proud because despite everything, you have proven your resiliency. Kiss their forehead and tell them how much you love them. Squeeze them again. And watch as this younger version of you melts into your chest. Their energy disappearing into a white, glittery light. A light that your heart is absorbing. You are one. You can and will never abandon this version of you. And this version will never leave you. When you feel activated and triggered, come back to this place. Call upon your younger self and reassure her that no matter what happens outside of you, you are safe. In this space beneath the tree, witness your own energy melting back into the earth beneath you. Your fingertips and your toes and your legs and your arms melting into a glowing white light being absorbed by the soil. And as you come back into this moment, into your body, slowly move your fingertips, wiggle your toes, lift your arms above your head and stretch, roll the neck. You are safe. You are loved. You are reunited with yourself. You can open your eyes when you're ready. Welcome home. Hi, I'm Jade Terrio, and you are listening to the Salam Podcast a podcast created and intended to bring us back home to ourselves. Before I dive into the juice of today's episode, I want to talk about the podcast and my life lately. Since launching, this podcast has received so much love and support, so much more than I ever anticipated. You know, I didn't know what to expect when I created this, my biggest goal was and is to spread love and inspire healing. Hearing so many people validate how deeply my words are resonating reminds me why I started this, and it makes me want to keep going. 
I don't have a plan for each episode. I have concepts and ideas, vague topics, but I never know what's going to come out until I'm sitting in front of the microphone recording. These episodes are a product of me showing up and just being vulnerable there and unraveling. My energy ebbs and flows so often that pre-planning weeks in advance just doesn't work. By the time I get to record after weeks of pre-planning, all the content I originally created seems stale, like I've outgrown it already. So in order to keep things as fresh and updated as possible, I show up to the microphone with inspiration, then I just trust in whatever flows out. Lately, I've been stepping way out of my comfort zone. I've always been all bark and no bite, but lately I've been all bite and all bark. When I say I want something, I've been going after it. When I'm feeling the big no in my chest, I have been honoring it. Fun fact. I have been in a relationship with someone since I was 15. I am a lover of love. But since my breakup over a month ago, for the first time in my life, I do not want to be in a relationship with anyone. It's so bizarre to be in this unfamiliar energetic territory of being solely in my own space and wanting it that way. My ego wants to judge me for the time it's taken me to get here, but the truth is, this homecoming is so monumental because of the time that I've been away from myself. The question I'm exploring in my life right now is, how do I want my life to look and feel? I don't know who I am outside of a romantic relationship. I don't quite know how to channel all of this love that I want to pour into someone else into myself instead. Loving other people is so easy for me. I just don't know how to do it for myself. Honestly, it feels like the greatest blessing that I get to dedicate every single second of every day to myself. In my last relationship, I was always waiting. Waiting for him to show up, to choose me, to stay constantly waiting for him to leave again because that was our pattern. I don't know how to not be in this waiting period anymore, how to just be, how to feel safe in the present moment with myself. Last week was the roughest week I've had since this breakup. Not emotionally, but physically. I didn't sleep for almost the entire week. If you know me, you know I highly value rest. I'm usually in bed and asleep before 10.30. A friend of mine mentioned that I might be purging, spiritually and energetically purging. I reflected on this, and she's right, as usual. She's one of the most in-tune people I know, so I'm really not surprised. I've been cutting cords and ties between me and this person, the life I was living, and the life I was creating. So it only makes sense that I would be purging him, the versions of myself that loved him, and the life I wanted for us, 
With this, of course, comes a detox. I didn't sleep. I hardly ate. My fuel tank is drained. The best way I can describe the way this felt is, have you ever drank in too much? You know, gotten completely drunk and the only thing to make you feel better is completely purging every ounce of alcohol you consumed. That is how this relationship and this detox period has felt. Our entire relationship was a drunken stupor. I drank and drank and drank until I became incoherent. Last week, I was metaphorically head in the toilet, purging him. Purging other things too, but purging him and purging this relationship. Now, I'll admit, I'm hungover. Not a little hungover, I'm a lot hungover from this. But I'm almost completely free. And it's so strange how much the energy has already shifted. That isn't to say that I won't miss him anymore or think of him anymore. Only the hard part is over. It's like I reached this healing milestone that I didn't know was there. The rest is the small stuff, and I know myself well enough to know I can handle the small stuff. Everything is already clearer and softer, easier and sweeter, and it all makes sense. I say all of this because purging the layers and layers of him and every other person I've loved, purging them from my energy has brought me back. It's brought me deeper into myself. Homecoming is what I want to talk about today. The homecoming and when my journey of coming back to myself actually consciously began. In 2017, I started working for a mindfulness coach. At the time, I had no idea what mindfulness was. I had no idea what a mindfulness coach was, but I needed a job and I felt called to work with her. For the sake of privacy, we will call her Sarah. My initial duty was to transcribe her audio recordings and create blog posts out of them. Sarah was a recovering alcoholic who found sobriety through mindfulness-based stress reduction, and she was using her training as a mindfulness coach to heal and inspire people, especially those with substance abuse tendencies. I may not have been abusing substances, but I started noticing how listening and transcribing her teachings were making a deeply positive impact on me and my spiritual journey. Every day when I'd leave her office, I felt inspired and curious. The practices and lessons she was teaching were universal. Universal in a way that substance abuse is only a coping mechanism for a core wound. A wound of feeling lost, alone, unlovable, broken. A wound that I very much identified with at the time. One day, 
I asked Sarah if she had any resources she recommended for someone who was just starting their spiritual journey. I was raised in the Catholic Church, but I resented most of the teachings at this point in my life, and I was desperate for some type of foundation, something higher than me rooted in unconditional love. Sarah handed me a book with a horse running across the cover and said, Read this. It changed everything for me. So, I read it. And it changed my life. This book is The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer, a book dedicated to the spiritual journey beyond ourselves. The Untethered Soul is incredibly simple to absorb. I remember reading it for the first time thinking, I know this already, I just didn't know it this way. This book was a catalyst to my awakening. Before I really dive deep into the sum of the sweetness from this book, I want to preface something. I will share many different resources with you. Books, music, people I've worked with, concepts I'm studying. I carefully choose which resources to share. However, please remember that I may not believe, follow, or agree with every single teaching from these resources. Use your discernment and take only what feels good for you. I am no master healer. I am healing right beside you, learning as I go. Now, in chapter 3, titled, Who Are You?, Singer says, Ramana Mahashi a great teacher in the yogic tradition used to say that to attain inner freedom, one must continuously and sincerely ask the question, Who am I? He taught that this was more important than reading books, learning mantras, or going to holy places. Just ask, Who am I? Who sees when I see? Who hears when I hear? Who knows that I am aware? Who am I? Singer then asks us, the reader, to play a game. In this game, we pretend we are having a conversation with someone, and they ask, Who are you? Our first instinct is to say our name, but Michael challenges that. We are not a cluster of letters and sounds. Go deeper. Who are you? Our next instinct is to define our roles and life experiences, whether that's a student, a spouse, a mother, a father, our position at work, or bits of our life story. But those things are not who we are, they are what we've seen, done, and experienced. Go deeper. Who are you? After a bit more of this game and contemplation, we are asked, who are you? Who is having all these physical, emotional, and mental experiences? If you go very deep, that is where you live. You live in the seat of consciousness. A true spiritual being lives there without effort and without intent. Just as you effortlessly look outside and see all that you see, you will eventually sit far enough back inside to see all your thoughts and emotions, as well as outer form. 
All of these objects are in front of you. The thoughts are closer in, the emotions are a little farther away, and the form is way out there. Beyond it all, there you are. You go so deep that you realize that's where you've always been. At each stage of your life, you have seen different thoughts, emotions, and objects pass before you. But you have always been the conscious receiver of all that was. Now you are in the center of consciousness. You are behind everything, just watching. That is your true home. Take everything else away and you're still there, aware that everything is gone. But take the center of awareness away, and there is nothing. That center is the seat of self. From that seat, you are aware that there are thoughts, emotions, and a world coming in through your senses. But now you are aware that you're aware. I imagine who I am to be a tiny speck deep inside of myself. This impossible-to-see speck is sitting in a one-seated movie theater. Every aspect of my inner world, my thoughts, feelings, and experiences, and every aspect of the outside world play like a movie on the screen. I am not my thoughts, emotions, or experiences. I am not my relationships. I am not the amount of money in my bank account or any role I play in my life. I am not my name. I am the conscious awareness witnessing and experiencing life. This concept is a lot, but also not so much. Remembering that we are deeper than our thoughts and feelings is a beautiful opportunity to detach. Detach from expectations, conditioning, and the shoulds. Remembering that we are not these concepts, we are not these thoughts and feelings, we are the very thing witnessing and experiencing them. Of course, I'm not saying emotions and human experience is invalid. Trust me, as someone feeling a heartbreak, I value the full spectrum of my humanness. The lesson here is not identifying as that experience. While I feel heartbroken, I am not heartbroken. Does that make sense? I feel sad, not I am sad. I haven't fully perfected this yet. Honestly, I don't believe in mastering anything. I, I believe everything is, it's a forever journey. There's always something new to learn, absorb, and some new way to expand. Everything is infinite. But there is so much comfort in knowing that I am a seed of consciousness. I get to witness this range of thought, creativity, emotion, and experience that unravels before me. And through it, my consciousness has the opportunity to expand. Coming back to ourselves is remembering that we are not the things that happen to us. We are not defined by these singular moments that hurt us or even bring us immense joy. When we come back to ourselves, we return to this one-seated movie theater where we watch then we learn, then we apply it and are moving forward. Just like anything, it's a practice of doing, 
as long as you keep trying, keep pushing, keep doing, you'll find yourself exactly where you want to be. Now that we all know who we are, the question is, what do we want? What do you truly want? If you could have or do or be anything, what does that look like? What does that feel like? Get clear on what you want. Write it down, demand it, and settle for nothing less. Coming back to yourself is knowing what's yours and what isn't. Coming back to yourself is identifying your morals, values, goals, dreams, needs, and what makes you feel full. Coming back to yourself is speaking up when a boundary is disrespected or crossed. Coming back to yourself is knowing that no matter how another person reacts to you speaking up, you'll only get what you want by taking the risk of losing them and honoring yourself anyway. Coming back to yourself is saying yes when you mean yes and no when you mean no. We don't get to choose what happens in our lives. We can't force our parents to parent us or our lovers to love us. We can't make people stay. But we can choose how we show up for ourselves and what we make of those experiences. Coming home to yourself is choosing to always, always honor your own heart. Coming home to yourself is staying even when the others leave. I notoriously have had a tendency to self-abandon in the name of, quote-unquote, love. I have self-abandoned for the sake of people-pleasing, validation, fear, and a lack of trust within myself and those around me. Self-abandon is when we ignore or abandon our own needs, discomfort, pain, desires, or inner knowing for someone or something outside of ourselves. Self-abandon is the abandoning of self. Self-abandon is the opposite of coming home to ourselves. It's leaving ourselves. But how do we stop? I started this episode with a meditation to reconnect with our inner child. I did this because the last few years have taught me that when my abandonment wounds are activated, my inner child is the part of me screaming and crying for safety. Before my ex and I broke up, I worked with my therapist quite extensively on my abandonment wounds. When I was a little girl, both of my parents abandoned me and my older sisters. My father left and started a new family in New Orleans, three hours away. Then he died a few years later. My mother remarried and eventually moved out of state, leaving my sisters and I to be raised by my grandmother and my two aunts. Then less than a year after my mother's miraculous return into my life, she died. I remember being eight years old blaming myself for their leaving. I remember feeling faulted and broken, like I was the straw that broke the camel's back. The narrative that I am unworthy of someone staying and loving me was created. So naturally, when I entered a tumultuous relationship with an inconsistent, hot and cold partner, my inner child was screaming. My instinct, my anxious attachment, asked me to grip tighter, 
to constantly seek and check on our connection to to chase and chase and chase validation and reassurance metaphorically i dig my nails into my partner begging and pleading them not to leave don't leave me don't leave me i was so uncommitted to myself that i didn't trust i could survive on my own my therapist advised me to start inner child healing it sounds silly, but I have witnessed a visceral shift in my abandonment wounds and my reaction to their activation. I'll admit, I held on tightly to this last relationship. I feared that I would never find someone to love me, someone to fight for me, someone to stay. All I have ever wanted in my entire life was someone to unconditionally choose me and stay. But the big lesson and blessing in all of this has been my homecoming. The very first time I meditated and introduced myself to my inner child, I held her the entire time. She cried and cried and cried. She kept asking me, why does everyone leave? Here's how I responded. Not everyone leaves. Only the people who don't have the capacity to see and love you for all that you are. Only those people go away. Those with sunglasses on leave because they are too afraid to be burned up in your light. We cannot make people love us. We can't force people to stay. But I'm here now, and I'm not going anywhere. I will not go away. I will never abandon you. I will not leave you. And the day my relationship ended... I went into a deep, deep meditation and did all of this all over again. One part of the journey back to yourself is returning home to yourself. The other half is, is the staying. I encourage you to Fearlessly commit to yourself, to commit to staying, to love yourself unconditionally, to show up for your own needs every second of every day. It's hard. Self-abandon is easy. It's so much simpler to bend ourselves until we are broken and rely on others to pick up the pieces or to just abandon the pieces. Showing up for ourselves in a world that does not show up for us is hard and it's scary, but fuck, it's rewarding. It's where the love is founded. The last five, almost six years of my spiritual, my conscious spiritual journey have been... <laughs> consistently heartbreaking. 
the universe has a way of giving us exactly what we need to teach us what we need to know to get to where we want to go. I need me. I need myself. The younger versions of me need me. The version of me from yesterday needs me. The journey back to self is the hardest path to walk. It is scary and it is lonely because no one else can hold your hand while you walk down the unpaved roads back to yourself. It is the only path that we absolutely must travel alone. And the universe is going to come in and say, hey, here are all of the reasons you should abandon this path. Here's a karmic lover. Here's a job that's unfulfilling but pays so much. Here's this and here's that. The universe wants you to say no to anything and everything that takes you away from yourself. She just has to know how committed you are to yourself. She wants you to be so committed to yourself that there is not even a tremble in your voice when you say no to the distractions and to the things that will only disorient you. If you don't know what you want, if you don't know how you want your life to look or feel, that's okay. The point is not to have all of the answers. The point is to sit and stay with yourself until you figure it out. Give yourself the grace and patience to figure it out. And when you do find some answer, honor it. Do not settle for less. Do not accept anything other than what it is that you desire and what you need. Hold and sit with yourself until you get to where you want to go. I'll say it one more time. One part of the journey is showing up for yourself. I originally said the other half, but 
but genuinely the other 95% is staying. Choosing to stay even when it's hard and scary and lonely. Even when it's dark and you're cold and you're tired and you're hungry. Stay. Before I close out this episode, I pulled a card from my Rumi Oracle deck and I asked for guidance. And I pulled Divine Discontent. And I want to read the information about this card because, oh, yeah, it's, uh, it's what I needed. And I know that if it's what I needed, it's what you probably need in some capacity as well. Winter falls upon us so spring can bring new growth. Cry the tears, allow the longing. Sadness brings surrender and a deep desire to be free. I know your heart. I hear it breaking and groaning in darkest nights when you imagine yourself to be silently cast adrift in sleep. It speaks to me that sacred heart of yours whispering its longing and bemoaning, its divine discontent. It knows when something is amiss. It senses that something is not quite right as yet. There is a piece of the puzzle missing. Even in its tremendous gratitude for all that is, and there is much gratitude and sweet appreciation in that precious heart of yours, there is a murmuring, a questing. It cries out to heaven, Vouchsafe me a blessing. I cannot go on. I am broken and in need of your tenderness for healing. I am empty and in need of filling. Not with stuff and bits, but with the most precious nectar of divine fulfillment. Nothing else will satisfy me. Please. Please restore me to wholeness. I can bear this missing piece, this broken disarray, no longer. I listen and I conjole that wise heart of yours. I praise for its honesty and longing, for the longing in its irresistible perfume to the beloved, attracting the only salve that will soothe the divine discontent of your truth-speaking heart. That of divine presence, absolute and unquestionable. There's a sense within you, perhaps quite obvious to your conscious mind, or perhaps only dimly registered as an unnameable underlying sense of anxiety. Anxiety that something in your life is not quite right. It may be the sense, even among so much gratitude, of a yearning yet to be met, a longing yet to be fulfilled and satisfied. This is the pain of the awakening heart, the heart capable of bliss and ecstatic reverence for the sheer beauty and wonder of creation. Yet, as the heart matures, there will be a process of deep, passionate longing that awakens for the divine. It is the impatience for the caress of the great lover, for the presence of the divine to come to you. 
Over time, that longing will grow from a mild inner sense of incompleteness, needing to become whole. It will develop into a holy fever, a sacred rage, a stamping of dancing feet, a pounding of fists upon the altar, and a longing so deep and distressing that one may well break into tears at the impossibility of bearing the pain of apparent separation for even a moment longer. Where is my beloved? cries the awakening heart. I call for my beloved, and yet I am here, still waiting. I can stand this no longer. As devotion grows and passion for the divine intensifies, so too does this yearning, so much so that this may come to feel as though your heart is breaking for the divine. Or perhaps you are not quite there yet. Your heart is attached to smaller gods, such as your status, your job, your lover, your body, looking a certain way or being able to live your life in a particular way. These smaller gods are not necessarily an issue, yet you have drawn this oracle, and so it is guidance for you that the divine wants to draw you closer. Sometimes that means we will have the meager meal wrested from our hand so we may feast upon something far more delectable and grand. The divine is a fiercely possessive lover. If there is a face of another beloved preventing you from longing for the divine embrace, and if you cannot see that this divine beloved within your lover, that you are loving, well then, something will be done by heaven. So, make your relationship sacrosanct. Seek the divine in all things. When you cannot, when the power of lesser gods has you in its grip, acknowledge it, bear witness to it, Do not chastise. Instead, be truthful. Let your heart break and lie prostrate on the floor, hands clutching and head bowed as though only your sadness and plight could stir the heart of the Divine Beloved into descent of succor and grace saving you from a life too bland for your exquisite Epicurean palate. Just don't misinterpret the pain and think that something really is wrong. If you are surrounded by status and money and cannot understand why you should mourn, it is even more important that you allow yourself to do so. Mourning is to be felt. Understanding is not so relevant. But if you must seek understanding, then know this. Dear Blazing Angel, you are just waking up from the deepest slumber, and with your awakening heart, you are realizing a truth. A part of you, deeper and wider, vaster and more instinct, truthful and intelligent than your mind, is lonely for the divine embrace. This is right. This is sensible. This is sanity. It is the pain, the real noble pain of the heart that says, There is something more than this inadequacy. This settling for plastic instead of precious gemstones that must end now. I cannot be fed by pixelated sunsets and animation upon my computer screen. I yearn to be blasted by so much radiance and beauty by the real thing that I become stupefied. I must witness so much divine splendor that all I can utter is some incoherent grunt, my mind assembled and my heart ignited by the presence of my beloved. I want to become a fumbling, ecstatic wreck in the presence of my beloved. I want to allow this pain, this yearning, this divine discontent to guide me to my holy lover so my life may never be the same again. 
and so it shall be. The discontent divine growing within you is the beginning, not the destiny. Its purpose is to lead you into your greatest connection, yet with divinity. Do not resist it. Witness it. Do not dismiss it, trying to cover up its smell with rose petals. Let your rank discontent be the pathway to divinity. Look beyond what is, what has been prized and treasured, and is now found to be plated and not the precious gold it once esteemed to be. Do not be scared, for you are my sidekick on this great holy adventure. I am here, you see, just around the corner. I have you in my sights, though you may not see me yet. I am holding a loaf of fresh bread, hot from the kitchen of the Creator, hoping to entice you with its wafting scent, tempting you to follow me on towards something of far more substance. If you are still stuck on pine-scented air freshener, imagining it is anything akin to the wild scent of the pine forests for real, then how can I tempt you? Let the stench be the stench, then the fragrance of God can be discerned. And together we can leave what is less behind, once and for all, grabbing like hungry schoolchildren for all the divine bread, with sweet, fresh scent filling the air. The sacred honoring ritual is place one hand on your heart and one on your belly. Say the following aloud. Rumi, who loves me unconditionally, guide me now. I acknowledge the gratitude in my heart, genuine and fierce. I acknowledge the hunger for the divine unfolding in my belly, the urging forward towards some unknown, indescribable, sacred satiety. Guide me to the holy table where the true feast awaits. I am no longer satisfied by stale crumbs or the remnants of another's feast. I want to feast with the Holy One, the Great One, to know directly and for myself that I am divine. With your mercy, grace, and wisdom, guide me there, dearest brother of my soul. I cast my soul into your care, and I follow my nose. I follow my nose towards the sweetest scent of the holy feast. Rest or stand up and dance your prayer. Just be with your body and how it wants to be, to rest or move now, whatever you choose. Stay with your breath and with what feels truthful. Say aloud, I release that which is not worthy for my soul to feast upon. I do not decide this for myself from a place of distrust or judgment. I surrender my attachment and I trust in the sacred workings of life to present to me what is needed. I surrender. I surrender in sacred trust. I surrender. May my life be governed by love for the greatest good and in holy service to love now. So be it. This roomy deck is my favorite. The messages are on the longer and more poetic side, but every single time I pull from this deck, I, I feel more sure. And I trust in the messages that I receive from this deck. I know that your journey back to yourself is your own journey. But I hope by 
following along and listening to this podcast and becoming a part of this community, you realize that there are people like me walking parallel to you on their own paths. And although I can't hold your hand on your journey, you're not alone in the journey back to, back to you. You're not alone in doing the hard thing and being on this journey. You know, the sentence of this message from the Rumi deck, look beyond what is, what has been prized and treasured, and is now found to be plated, and not the precious gold it once esteemed to be. When I say everything you're searching for exists within you, I mean that. The things distracting you from coming home to yourself. They're all just shit plated in gold, pretending to be treasure. You are everything your heart is yearning for. You have the love you are desperately seeking. You are the precious gold. I wish you more love than you can fathom. I wish you love that fills you up and carries you like the ocean. I pray the universe mirrors that love in you outside of you. And until then, I pray you show up for yourself and I pray you stay. Do the hard thing. I believe in you. <laughs>